Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Prefab Free-For-All. And welcome to this installment of the Prefab Free-For-All. I am Tony Chaguardo with you today as your moderator. I shall be moderate. And joining me for this episode are my two friends and stalwart companions, Mr. Mitch Axelrod. Hello. And Mr. Rob Leonard. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> very apropos. <laughs> yes, that was very, very apropos. As uh, in this installment, we will be looking at the group's fourth album. And um, the title is kind of cool. It comes from basically taking three of the Zodiac signs from the band. And, of course, I am talking about Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. Uh, limited. 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 Uh, reason being that Michael and David share the same zodiac sign. So rather than have it be Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Capricorn, because <laughs> that would have sounded just silly. Um, and too long. And too long. <laughs> it would have been just Wouldn't enough. Fit. Just a few too many <laughs> letters to fit on the top of this page <laughs> I printed out. Uh, it became Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. Limited. The album came out November 6th. 1967, and there's some cool backstory to it and yeah. how it got here. The main thing is it is coming off the heels of Headquarters, which at this point was the band's weakest selling album, but it's all relative. It is because there were no singles. There were no singles. At least in Precisely. America. Precisely. Great right. Britain, there was alternate title, which was Randy Scouse Git. Yeah, which but, they weren't allowed to. They weren't supposed on, to say that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, Horny uh, Liverpudlian. Yes. But because it was, Headquarters, as we all know, is very important, not because of the sales, but because it was the Monkees' own production. Yes. For the most part. It was the Declaration mm-hmm. of Independence. Absolutely, for the Monkees. And whether you liked it or not, as you guys said, no singles. So leading up to this... It was a very important album in the Monkees catalog, no yeah. matter what. I mean, the first two were Don Kirshner. This right. is non-Kirshner. Yeah, that's very funny. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and I think where it's different, certainly, and it gets criticized for this, but uh, I don't know. You can criticize it all you want in terms of theoretical idea, but once you get into the piece of music itself. No, Pisces. Oh, okay. Where I'm going is headquarters is in hindsight so celebrated because man that's it that's the four of them in the studio and that's for the way it should be not by me. for better or for worse and no but I, that's why I'm saying I know a lot of people you know do. a lot of people do slam it because you know the, the four of them that's the way it should have been it's not as commercial it's not as commercial it was them doing Although something adventurous and and the four of them obviously hold the album headquarters in regard they did a good chunk of it on the 2012 and 13 tours and, and it was number one until Pepper came out. Until Pepper well, came one out. Week. Gone. Bye bye. Right. But, but it was number two for the rest of the summer. But yes. the thing to me about where they then took it with Pisces was they are now taking control not only of their destiny as a group, but they're taking control of the domain of the recording studio. Well, they proved that they don't need Don Kirshner. Yes. And now it didn't matter if all four of them played every single thing. They're still taking control as the monkeys, as the yes. recording entity. The show is still going on. So yes. that's being controlled by whomever. But at the same time, the thing that always got me, it's funny to be a monkeys fan because there's always that thing where, well, 
other people use studio musicians and because mm-hmm. you know everyone did the Beach everybody Earth. look the at the Beach wrecking and crew look at the movie. Fact, I'm just about to say look at the fact that cool enough they didn't even default to the wrecking crew right. right. Which Other is kind of yeah, cool. They, they could they easily were, have they done were right that. right there. Yeah, they went it, with friends right. and acquaintances and people who... But the thing that got me about Pisces is that I like the fact that all four of them play together. I think there's a certain... Rawness. Rawness, but there's a, there's a certain thing when they're all together that... The whole is greater than yes, the sum Yes, the whole is greater than the sum. Yeah. And when they're not all together, they tended to... They just went off on tangents. And I think that, that affected them... And I think it especially affected Mike Nesmith. I think he's a guy who I thought wrote very good pop songs. And personally, well, not to start with this album, but the next album, he's going off into outer space almost on purpose to show that. Yes. Well, well he had control. You. He's doing it, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. And, he, you yeah. know, I'm going to just do my songs the way that I like them. You don't like them, so I don't care. Right. right. Some of them worked very well, and some of them are like, okay, you made your point. Right. But You right. made your point to a point. I, I don't mean that like that. No, no. You did. You know what? You made your point. You're doing your stuff. Now give me something that sells. Sorry. Right. Because, you know, the monkeys were still an entity that did sell. I mean, headquarters was not a bad seller. Not no. at all. Not no. at all. Not at all. And, and Pisces sold very well. Yep. But I like looking like Mickey. He, he played drum on two tracks. Yes. Yeah. We'll yes, get he to plays, that. But again, though, when it comes to the, the idea of the band, the cohesiveness of the band... Mickey is contributing the idea that he's the one that bought that synthesizer. Right. That, so, that's true, too. He, well, he, he did other things, too. He Davey is on percussion all over the record, you know, is the right. truth. And what I love about this album when it comes to the musicianship is that rhythm section of Eddie Ho and Peter Tork are right in the pocket. Well, Torque yes. is on the organ on a lot of this album. Orgy, Chip yes. Douglas, I'm sorry, is Chip the rhythm Douglas, section. Yeah. Bass, yeah. Yeah. Chip Douglas is on bass. Eddie Ho on drums, Peter on a lot of the organ and keyboards, and Michael on most of the guitars, barring some really great work by Chip Douglas on like Salesman and stuff. When you put that nucleus together, that four piece, Michael, Peter, Eddie, and Chip Douglas, you've got a really ass-kicking core group of musicians. Still a group effort. I know what Rob is saying. You just said it, though. Mike and Peter, all right? Eddie and Chip. You're not talking about the monkeys. You're talking about half the monkeys. So, hang on. Yeah. The Tukis. But the thing is, I know where you're going. The rest of the monkeys were on the album at some Absolutely. point. Now, yeah. we will get into it's a very heavy Mike and, and, and Davey album, yeah. which right. is different because you had one of the best rock vocalists in hindsight. At that point, you're only a year into the monkeys, so to speak. Yes. And yep. nobody was saying, oh, my God, Mickey's the best that ever lived at that point. Yeah. Now we say it, because he was. He was. So he may Still not have been. Well, you know, he was meaning yeah, no, when the monkeys were. Yeah. But the thing is, this is very top-heavy with Davey and Mike, although Peter's all over the album, and Mickey may not be, but not because the monkeys didn't want him. They didn't say, we want Eddie Ho. Not at all. They said, Peter explains it in the booklet to the Deluxe Rhino release. Peter explains... I said to Dave, to Mickey, we've got to go back in the studio. He said, I'm not doing it anymore. So he played on the two tracks you mentioned, which right. are actually Doran to Summer and Cuddly, uh, Toy. and Cuddly Toy. So in that respect, 
It wasn't for lack of them wanting to. But Eddie Ho was brought in because Mickey didn't want to do it. He said, I did it on headquarters. I'm done with that. And and Peter was kind of upset about that because he did yes. want him to Peter play. was always, Peter yeah, he reveres headquarters because he sees that as the moment. Right. Well, he said in this book, he says, for a minute. For a, yeah. He, yeah. We got it on headquarters for like a minute. And well, what he quote. means I, is, is historically speaking, historically, for a right. minute. Right. He, he didn't delighted mean, in the whole sessions of and all course, that. Of course. Of yeah. course. But not having the monkeys, it's such a weird feeling for me because I'm a big monkeys fan and I'm a drummer. So I, we wouldn't be doing the show if we weren't. Absolutely. But here's the thing, though. You listen to Headquarters, and as much as I love that album, it's a garage band. Yeah. And Mickey was not the best drummer. No. All right. And some of his stuff is really sloppy, but we know it because it, it is what it is. So when you get to, to Fast Eddie Ho, as he was known, yeah, he's much more technically proficient on the drums right. that doesn't take away that it's a monkey song not at all not at all I think not, it actually no, to but me it, changed, it, changed it changes the way, the, yes it the changes way, the dynamic the way the song sounded and Eddie was was almost too good I think sometimes well, they, the and Peter actually said you know while we're talking I'm going to find the quote because it's a very important one because Peter talks about the Beatles and how when you had the four of them together playing it was different and it was good no matter what it was. And he does sort of slam that with the playing of, uh, he said, the result is that you get directed stuff. There's no group interaction. Uh, this is when Eddie was doing it. He said, that's why I wanted the group to be on the album in the first place. You listen to Beatle albums and one of the things that makes them great is that they have found ways to use who they have to get what they want without asking anyone else to do what they couldn't do. That's what makes group music happen. That's all I ever hoped for, and I had it for like a minute on headquarters. So mm. I know what he's saying, uh, but, but I disagree in this. I mean, I know as a musician, I, I like to have everybody on it, but if Mickey didn't feel that it was going to help the record, then maybe he was right. The Door into Summer, which we'll get into, the drumming is, is credited to... Eddie Ho and Mickey. Right. And you can tell what's Mickey and what's Eddie. Sorry. You can. I mean, it's one's sloppy. Good in its own way, but one is sloppy and one is not. But it's really important, with all due respect to Peter, and and I, you know, I respect Peter. He's always able to talk about the different eras of the monkeys and what was going on and, Mm -hmm. you know, where his head was at at the time and et cetera. But with all due respect to Pete, he was not as prolific a songwriter at this time he was writing already no, he and he was but he was starting to do, he was very a phenomenal musician yes so which is I interesting think he was talking more musically than but it's lyrically. really interesting because as a songwriter if i know i've got fast eddie ho in the room and and i've got chip douglas who's a phenomenal bass player and i know what i can do on the guitar mm. and I've written a song. The goal for putting out an album is to take a piece of your creative work, your song, express it as best you can, and get the best possible team you can to present the song. Right. So as a songwriter, I have to think that Mike and the other songwriters who, you know, they were getting these songs and going, wow, we love this song. We can't wait to put it out and make it a release. You, you put the best team together. For Peter to not be a songwriter and to be that critical of this process is a little weird. Well, Peter didn't write any songs on this album. On this album. Yeah, on he was, this album. Well, there were outtakes or there were things that 
Peter had already started the to do the released album. The released album, right at the time, right. We've had other incarnations. I mean, but then again, he wrote, uh, co-wrote for Pete's sake, which yeah, but, yes. but then not on this yeah. album. No, and for Pete's sake right. was on headquarters, right. and, and they for all Pete's sake is a garage bandy tune, right, right. But they and they you all know. played on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, did Peter have visions of grandeur of how for Pete's sake could have been a bigger production? Probably not. Because that's what he wanted. But I also think if you look at um, yeah. Andrew Santoval's book and you see how long Peter worked on songs, it was the same song all oh the time. Oh, my God. Well, like and George Mickey, Harrison. And Mickey yes. Dolan said that also. Yeah. And surprisingly, uh, Davy Jones was very good in the studio. He recorded a lot of stuff. Yep. In and um, out. He had his band at that point. You know, Each guy had their own little group. And Mike Nesmith had the same thing. This record is sort of the end of the headquarters thing. Think about it. They released three albums in 1967, More of the Monkeys, Headquarters, and this. Maybe one of the great years ever for a band. Yes, and that would include absolutely. the Stones and the Beatles. Because well, mm-hmm. you know, the misnomer, I, I got to tell you, I, stop right there one second. You're right. And the Monkeys deserve their due with that. But yeah. I hate when people always quote that. 1967, they sold more than the Beatles and the and the Rolling well, but, but they did because they put out more product. Yeah, they did. But, but, but it really fit in with, by the end of 67, wasn't as a hot a TV show, at least. Right. And, and, and right. the music kept slowly not selling, even though Daydream Believer went to number one. Which was, we'll get to we'll that, get to that yeah. too, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of, th- I love this album. I think this is their standalone album. Now, let me ask both of you this, and I don't know the answer, so I'm going to just ask. Both of you guys are Beatles fans. Both of you guys are Beatles collectors. So I'll throw this out. What album do you go back to more commonly to play, Pisces, Aquarius, or Sgt. Pepper? Wow. Uh, that's that's not fair. That's not no, fa- it is fair. If you'd ask me out. about... I play Pisces, Pisces. more than Sgt. Pepper. There you Pisces, go. me right. too. That doesn't so, mean I don't like pepper or anything. No, that doesn't mean it's better or bigger no, than... But if you want to hear the, the similarities between Pepper and Pisces Aquarius, is that side two, I would always skip the first song for a long time. That's fun, very funny. <laughs> oh, <laughs> listen reason. to that. Hard to believe was the lead-off track. Right. That just, is hard to believe. Oh, my God. No, but, you know, I've got to say, there are other... People who I've spoken to who are big musos, even people who are not self-declared big fans of the Monkees in general, who will still say the same thing. They'll go back to Pisces Aquarius more than they'll go back to Surrealistic Pillow or Sgt. Pepper or, parentheses, most albums of 1967 that were looked at as, oh, oh my God, this is so groundbreaking. Because in hindsight, there's a cohesiveness to this record in terms of yep. the strength of most of the songs. Yes. You know, so... Um, but the production's very good, too. The production is freaking amazing. Well, l- l- but- let's just say one thing. And I oh. said there's a quote in here, and I needed to... I want to say this, because this is important, because it shows that even though they made this phenomenal album, and they were really... After, I mean, here, Pisces did sell pretty well. But even after they made this album that everybody goes back to one year after the release of this Nesmith told a television interviewer each of us has an individual road or path that we're traveling there's no group sound there hardly ever was really and Davy Jones quickly chimed in there never was driving home the point Dolan's repeated the same words there never was Peter Tork sat by silently two weeks later he left the band wow I disagree that there was um if you put the four of them together, there's a better pop sound. But 
than but what they were saying was with this album, basically after headquarters, I don't believe. I think the bitterness of there never was that they don't remember certain things. You know, that's yeah. that, at that time. Yeah, that's, that's where right. the heads were. Right. But but for them to say there's no group sound. Maybe they didn't feel like this was a group sound, and we're going to get to when we get to the the album itself. You have to wonder whether or not it is that an, uh, this album in particular. Maybe it's just like, maybe it's their Abbey Road. What, right, right. I mean, w- w- I don't mean know. as prolific. I'm just oh, saying right, in yeah. regards to right. it's their last album, really, as a unit. As a unit. Right. Well, Peter well, was on Birds and Bees, and, and Head was a group. No, he effort. wasn't. He was only on Daydream Believer. He's only on Daydream Believer. He was on a couple of songs on Head. Yeah. One he sang and one he let Mickey sing. Right. So. He's on the head album because he co-wrote. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. his biggest writing contribution. Yeah. But it's, And Daydream Believer was written for It here. may have been one of these records, yeah. too, that, yes, it was popular when it came out. It did very well. Let's go. To, I'm going to go quickly to the chart thing here. Well, you can't really um, say the chart thing because when it was re-released later in the 86 thing, it started going double platinum and triple platinum. No, but 1967, it went to number one in Billboard's Top 200. Yes. So, yeah, and oh, it, yeah, and yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. you know, and it was double platinum, two million sales by whatever time they were verifying the platinum, but still, two million units over a course of time is still pretty friggin' good, Yeah, but actually. you want to know something that's funny, because I find it, no pun intended, hard to believe, that it only sold two million, just like Meet the Beatles sold five million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This album... Had to sell more than two you million remember in the forty that's, years that that's fifty years it's out. Still only U.S. Uh, I that's know, still only but U.S. and it still doesn't account for the thousands of promo copies that were. And they didn't platinum cassettes. Don't forget at the time and count that toward the sales. If I'm not mistaken, weren't around in 1967. No, cassettes were around shortly thereafter by 69, 70. So all through the 70s, as people were buying cassettes and eight tracks and all that stuff. I don't think that was counted. I don't if know. I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know why it wouldn't be. So, yeah, I don't know, but, but uh, it, it, it was released many times, by the way. Yeah. Arista, part of, on RCA, on Rhino, on Sundazed. Yeah. And, and now yeah. again on Rhino. Well, so. Rhino owns the rights to the name right. the monkeys and all their recordings, the TV shows and the movies. Right. Uh, Raybird, right. I believe, sold it off to them? Or yes. was or they, they were partners. Partners. And then I think, they, I think they out. sold it off. Yeah, I think they sold it out when when Rhino was absorbed by the big right. And and Raybird actually got control of the monkeys because they wanted to do um, a re-edit of um, Easy Rider, and they went back to Columbia Pictures and they said, "Well, where are the outtakes?" Because there were a lot supposedly. Yes. And they go, "Oh, we threw them away because you know we didn't need them anymore. And you didn't say anything about it. And since it was their film, they sued them." And they got the rights back to all the Raybird stuff, which included the monkeys. Yes. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Then I think they sold it off to Rhino. And Rhino's been a great home for the monkey stuff because and the people who owned it, at least at the, when they first started and for a long time, uh, very much were fans of Well, the Harold Bronson was a big monkeys yeah. fan. And now, thank God, we have Andrew Sandoval. And yeah. Bill Inglot. And Bill Inglot. Yeah. So the, these guys were, so. were fans. So they yeah. treated the re releases, especially in 86. I mean, the fact that Changes of all things was came out, yeah. <laughs> came out and actually did better chart-wise than it did in 1970. Well, that's only because the monkeys were very <laughs> right, hot, yeah, was, and, and people who didn't were, know that it was like a Davy Mickey album yeah. bought it because the monkeys were going nuts in '86, yeah. and so it sold, but, and it went. You know, but it's a shame that this album, to me, Pisces is the album. Like, if show me one record of the monkeys, here's well, here's Pisces. That's, and we should. That's, yes, that's, that's the album. funny you say album. that because before we get to the songs, let me. Uh, say something about the cover because the cover to me is very very white album by Bernard Yezin yes because think about it 
It says the monkeys, but the guy took a picture of the monkeys and he said he put them as faceless because by that time the monkeys were so well known that anybody who saw their silhouettes like this knew who it was. Right. Sort of right. like the White Album where you didn't need the Beatles name on it because you knew the Beatles were the Beatles. But he did put the monkeys in there and he had it above, you know, so it was very known, the logo, very seen. But then he, he put it within the flowers because he said it was flower power. And right, he, right. it didn't matter anyway because a lot of people but, didn't even notice the logo in the flowers. But a lot of a people thought that he was trying to say, "Oh, they're a faceless group." You yeah, know? but that's oh, a different that's interpretation. Yeah, a different interpretation. That's really interesting. I never thought of that. But I still find it funny that Nez allowed himself to have the wool cap on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's kind of funny. Well, yeah, but if you and don't, that they're kind of in the J.C. Penny, not really the J.C. Penny. Not really. Davies wearing the, the ruffle shirt Davey's for the first the season. Shirt. Yeah, but yeah. think about and this it. This is definitely the second season where. Oh yeah. There's a couple episodes where Mickey's obviously stoned. Mickey, are yeah. you kidding? Davies falling all over himself in certain episodes. <laughs> Wait, well, watch Davy trying to get his hand onto the back of the chair in the monkey's paw episode. Whee. Wait, let me just say one thing, though. If, if you take away that hat and you take away the ruffle shirt, they're not as known as people think they would be. I'm not so yeah. sure you know that's the monkeys. Yeah, not kidding. You're right. Take away that hat and that shirt, you you're don't right. know it's the monkeys. It could be any four-member yeah. group of well, any band it, yeah, in the 60s. Three guys, one's a little taller, one's shorter. Mm, then it could be the Beatles. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Ringo was right. shorter. It's, it's interesting they didn't have a face, Yeah. But it is a kind of cool cover yeah. Yeah, in general. Is. Well, let's start quickly just looking at a background before we get into the, the tracks themselves. What were we just doing? No, no. I, I, what I'm talking about is the background of the song process. Oh, 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 I see. Of yeah. how it all, it all came about. They went in for, to start the recording sessions, and two other songs came out of the sessions that would lead up to the release of Pisces Aquarius. Those songs were, drumroll please, Daydream, Believer, and Going Down. Going Down. Uh, going Down, and I guess we'll talk about Going Down because it's from the era, but I had a really fun conversation with Peter a couple of years back. We talked about the idea. As people know, it's based on a jam of Parchment Farm right. uh, by Mose Allison. And Mickey originally tried to get away with doing it, doing it slow. Yeah. So the band were doing the dun 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 dun. You sound like Mickey, cat. Wa- I do. And Mickey was going to do, you know, floating down the river with a saturated liver. Right. And I went. And Peter just said, no. <laughs> and Mickey went, what? And Peter said, no, 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 no. You're going to do the vocal right along with me. And Mickey said, are you freaking kidding me? And they hit, hit into take. it a couple of times, and apparently one take. Supposedly one there take. Are, there are, I think, three full takes of the vocal. And yeah, but he, supposedly they finished one. The one the they used, take, that's yeah. it. That was the first take. He did it in one shot, and then they, you know. But, uh, and, and if you think about that song, I mean, first of all, it should have been on the album. But second well, of all, yep. it's one of the lost songs, not just of the monkeys. But of rock and roll. Absolutely. It, it was a B-side. Absolutely. It wasn't on a record until... Well, no, it was a B-side. Oh, you mean... But it wasn't yeah. on a Monkees album until 1986 Greatest Hits, I think. No, not even. I think it was on... Was it on Monkey Business or one of those Oh, that's rhino. right. Well, that was a Rhino thing. But that yeah. was Rhino and that was a little that different. That was Rhino when it was almost like bootleg. Well, yes, yeah, it was yeah. a Rhino so, compilation. You're right. It was a, you're right. It's on uh, the Australian album yeah, it was that on, everyone well, owned. Yeah, the, and then, the double then it was on Monkey, Monkey Mania. Yeah, yeah. And, but it was on Monkey Business. Right. And it's just, to me, one of the great songs ever. And the fact that all four of them get a songwriting credit yep. with Diane it, Hildebrand. Yeah. Um, she wrote the lyrics. Yeah. And they just Great were jamming. Lyric. And, you know, and, and as works. Peter said, yeah. you know, it was the folk process in action. We took the chords, basically, of the, that parchment, parchment form, and they, they just sang over it and, yep. and changed it. And that's how 
you change a song. You know, you think about what happened just recently with Got to Give It Up and yeah. Blurred Lines. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well. And they tried to steal something, and they stole got too caught. much of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and going down to me, remember the episode where it starts off? It starts off with the show. Just boom. The, my God. Just the video of him doing and, going and down. And lights in the background. And the horns with the and black gloves. Like and eight people. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And it's that. just it, wow. it, incredible what they did with that song. Musically and visually, yeah, and it's very of the time, though. Yeah, but you know, visually. what? holds up now. Visually, visually, visually song-wise, no. yeah. it's still song-wise. I mean, music, musically, it's just no. It's not dated a, at all. No. no, it's just incredible. And I know one band who was a local band here on Long Island who covered it, and the guy Ed Ryan, lead it, singer. It was tough to do. I we used to do it in rehearsal a lot with my band. Tough to do, yeah. man. It's, it, it left it, you. Beat. Yeah, it, it oh, yeah, like yeah. It ran down. To. But I've never seen anyone else try to cover it. No, well, and Mickey yeah. still out there doing it. Yeah, he does it. When still they does it. still does it live, which is a credit to years him. old. Yeah, seven years old, still they, doing it. They that. changed the arrangement just a little bit. Yep. Oh, yeah, but you know, yeah. you know yeah. it doesn't. It's not bad. But, but I was so happy when Rhino reissued this album and they included going down. They had to as a bonus track. Well, right. because that right. was going to be the single with Dave. Well, no, that wasn't it. That was going to be on the album. That yeah, was the fourth yeah. track on the album originally. Uh, yeah, they, it was just they had sandwiched in the record. The original single it was "Love" yeah. was "Love Is Only Sleeping" and "Daydream Believer." Backed with "Daydream Believer." Yep. Yeah, but they said because of production errors, well, delays, they decided not to production delays on it. I mean, "Love Is Only Sleeping" would have been a but they said it was daring risque. single they said for, that. for that time. Why it is might that have been risque? Because it, well, love you know, is only sleeping. You know, it, implied they that, had sex that's implied all night. they had had sex all night, or that they were in a bed together. Yeah, yeah but my, to me, know. that never occurred. It meant love is sleeping, like it's underlying and dormant. Love is dormant. Know that, but but we're thinking of it as two intelligent people. Yeah. We're not thinking of it as two radio programmers in the sixties. Yeah. I can't. We can't, Our station can't play no song called "Love's Only Sleeping." That's yeah. not right. Yeah. These two kids again, sleeping together. Just change the title, you know, like they did with alternate title for Randy Scouse Kids yeah. Great Britain. Yeah, it could have been called "Through the Endless Days and Nights" or something like that. I mean, can you, you imagine Daydream Believer as, as a B side? Wow, could you imagine like jocks flipping it over and going, "What the hell?" You know, I mean, but. The funny part about it is, I hate to say it would have been a game changer for Davy Jones for his solo career. Yeah. You know, the funny part of it is when what the Monkees first started, Daydream Believer being B-side? Being a B-side. It, it not being the big plug day-side, the big huge oh. song, the big song that show. I mean, it would have shined the in the episodes. Because they did. The show. It would yeah. have been in the Rainbow Room and that would have still made it huge. <laughs> And it still would have been a, sh- a concert stopper the yep. way some of the obscure monkeys. So, I mean, how is What Am I Doing Hanging Around still a showstopper at a monkey show? Right. <laughs> obscure album track. Right. But well, it's not. But it's not. But I guess where I'm going is that, you know, Love is Only Sleeping as an A side. You got to figure when the monkeys first started, Michael was the original thought for the lead vocalist. You know, he was the original because he was the musician. He was coming in as Michael Blessing. Davey was the cute, amusing British. Star Trek needed Walter Koenig, uh, you know, to be, uh, you know. Well, that was after. Yeah, and Davey, they needed uh, the Brit. You know, they needed token Brit but, for the But show. also, you know, for the singles, it was always thought of that Davey and Mickey would do the singles. and it, you know. But that really sort of came out. Originally, when they were looking at the whole scenario, and then they said, well, you know what, this whole Texan thing, the country thing, that may not appeal yeah. to everyone 
all over the country, and, and, especially with the Beatles doing and, what they're doing. Right. Also, you know, the British one, guy is a Beatle. Because if you think about it, you have Michael doing. I don't think you know me at all. You have right. Michael doing versions of. You but know, also, Michael's a little ornery sometimes. Oh yeah, that's and I think I think they wanted to deal with right, right. people who were going to be. A little more open little more. to yeah. And Davey was already in the business, around. and so was Mickey. Yeah. Right, and yeah. Davey and Mickey were both used to being directed. Directed, yeah. yeah. Mike was not. Right. He was his own man. Davey was Broadway, Mickey was an actor. Yeah, they, they were have, used they to being that, directed. That thing. And, you know, and we'll get to this when we do an episode on, like, the Monkey, the first album box set. But when you listen to that first album box set, you realize, too, why Michael put his fist through the wall. Because when you had the term producer written on your record, produced by so-and-so, you got more of the pie. Yeah. And if you listen to that album, you hear the fact that, really, Don Kirshner's sitting on his ass. Michael's the one leading all the right, sessions. Right. So Right, uh, even the first album. Even the yeah. first yeah. friggin' Which album. Well, didn't think they did anything. Right. Well, the funny thing about Michael in the first album and the sessions he directed, I didn't realize this until Sandoval's book. Is that he made sure the other three were on backing vocals, yep. which I didn't know. I yep. always thought that he was already pushing away, and it wasn't him. Nope. And you even hear at one point he's talking about, I don't remember what song, but he has, says something to Davey. And they're going in, and he, and he says, Davey, how is that for you? He says, is that a comfortable tempo for you? Because we, we can change this up a little bit, whatever. Are you feeling good with that? And Davey goes, you know, yeah, 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 no, that's great, that's great. And Michael goes, oh, all right, man, that's what, then we're good yeah, to go. So he, he included them. In, yes. In, which which, which was, Kirshner didn't. No, no, he wanted them to be a band. And, boy, he must have been pissed to realize, I'm not getting producer credits. This schmuck is. And not listening to me at all. Producer money. money well, anything. Wrong. Right. Nothing. I mean, they're they're just saying, you accept the checks and the gold records yep. and leave it to me. And, and he went, up oh, yours. No street cred either, which Not is really kind of scary. Yeah. So we um, get to the uh, yeah, well, yeah, so anyway, long and short of it was that Love is Only Sleeping, back with Daydream Believer, gets pulled. The original track listing came out on October 9th, 1967, and consisted of a Special Announcement, which is a bonus track, which is really a funny way to start a record, actually. I it's, think it would have killed It's funny it, as hell. I understand, I, why they, I understand why it wasn't done. I, I understand I, why they did it. I understand why they took it off. I do Correct. both, but in hindsight, it still would have been a RCA funny RCA album start. It, yeah. it works now, now that we know the record, and it's you know yeah. much after the Yes, date. but if yeah. you started this record with... Hello, you know, it's a yeah. Tez. But if you had dropped it and you had opened the album, we'll get to the songs, but if you had opened the album with She Hangs Out, it yeah. still would have been kind of cool. It still would have been a cool opener. It would have been the special announcement right into She Hangs Out, right yeah. into the, nah. the do day round day Would have Not set a, a different like, tone. Yeah, much. Would have set a different tone. So that's a good, you you're right. You would have had a Davy tone. You're right. And you, no, but you're right. it's okay, Davy tone, because yeah. the, the first three albums, I mean, the first two albums, especially with Davy. Really, I mean, Davy and Mickey. Right. All of a sudden, now with the way it does start with Salesman, and we'll get to it, it's yeah. a different message. Yeah. And we are going to get to the uh, songs and talking about the tracks as we come back after this brief message on the Prefab Free For All. From Yardley. Black Label. Kellogg's best to you. Hi, everyone. Just wanted to let you know that besides Fab Four Free For All, each of the three of us are involved in our own individual projects. Mitch Axelrod's two books, Beetle Tunes, the only book about the cartoon Beetle show, and Little Billy and Baseball Bob can be found through all of your good booksellers online, including Amazon.com, or if you'd like autographed copies, contact Mitch on Facebook. 
And my buddy Rob Leonard has a great Beatles show that he's been doing for 20 years called Beatles Songs, and it's on every Friday night from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can listen to it online. It's streaming at www.ncc.edu slash WHPC. And also look for it on TuneIn.com. And Tony Truquardo is the host of 4F, free format for free, on WCWP 88.1 on Long Island. He's on every Monday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time and also at www.wcwp.org. Also available on TuneIn.com. Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Eric Lefkowitz, Tony Triguardo, 2016, the 50th anniversary, the year of the monkey. They're coming. And we are back with the Prefab Free For All here. We're talking about the Monkey's fourth long playa. Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. Limited. Limited. And they were not limited on this album, I don't think. Well, they were in certain ways. They limited themselves. They were limited but liberated. Yes. And they would never sound this... Popping and rocking at the same time. Yeah. They would perfect. never again. Absolutely perfect. They, they On any off. album they did, and they did a bunch after, yeah. which most people don't know about. Yeah, I hate I, to say it. I love some of the later records, too, but You're for different right. reasons. But yes. No but you can ne- Right. They were basically the White Album times four. Yeah. I mean, every album became yeah. like the White Album because they all came in different, doing different things. And right. yet you see them at their, like some of their most coherent and cohesive when they're on the Johnny Cash show doing Nine Times Blue together with just yeah. an acoustic guitar. Correct. You know, but they, were, they never did as a threesome nope. in the studio. Nope. So. No, it's so sad because yeah. that's a great song. Yeah. A great but you know what? Davies' version is wonderful on the box set. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, go ahead. Let's All right, let's so let's, let's take a look. Let's start as the album does. We drop the needle. The first thing we hear is the... Now, to me, I've always heard that as a car horn honking. That's the salesman traveling in his little jalopy and, and other people interpret it as a doorbell. But either way, that's the first thing you matter. hear. It doesn't matter. It's a salesman. Either way, it's the salesman coming to visit. A uh, song is written by Craig Vincent Smith. He went on to be a member of Penny Arcade. Mm. Go get that CD right now. I'll wait. If you don't have the Penny Arcade CD, if you've never heard the Penny Arcade CD, it's freaking great. Nesmith produces. It is just a fine record, and this guy writes some great songs, and this is one of them. So Salesman is uh, in the episode Devil and Peter Torque, and... <laughs> Which is a really funny episode. They beep the word hell. It's it's also a beautiful episode. It's it's probably my favorite. One of my favorites. I think it is my favorite. It is so poignant. Yeah, really become the slap. It's not the slapstick that you knew about the monkeys. Right, right. It really became uh, more of a message one. Absolutely. And and there's an alternate mix too, which was included on the Rhino. Yeah. Two CD set, which. I sort of like the the ending. It sort of adds a little more to the song. No. Because, you know, for years you always heard about it, and then yep. when it finally comes out, I'm like, oh, I, I can see what they're talking and about. And for here. those of you wondering what they're, quote, selling at the end of the extended version, listen carefully. They're selling a, a cigarette rolling machine, yeah. if you listen. And he's talking about, I put the stuff in there, and I roll it out, and it comes out through the end, and then it comes out looking like a lucky strike. And the big thing, if you smoke joints in those days, rather than roll it yourself, they had the little portable cigarette rolling machines, right. which, yes, you could put tobacco in, but it was also convenient for 
rolling your doobies. Nice addition to the wait, list. Wait, for this episode, can we do it? <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Thank wow, you. that's a blast yeah. from the past. But yeah, so uh, salesman, any thoughts on the track? Uh, uh, you know what? Mike's vocal sounds a little sped up. But she hangs out. Think that, so? No, no, no. no on sales salesman. Oh, salesman is still talking. Yeah, okay, yeah, still, talking. Because it just sounds a little, a little more higher register than he sounds a lot on this album. Just a little bit. Uh, minuscule. I'm not saying he, he may have sung it much higher, but... I'm just hearing it in my head. I think it is really in his range. I that think could it be. might have been, yeah. Could be. Great I song. Yeah. It was in his range. I yeah. love this song. I think it's very, very tight. And again, maybe because Mickey's not on the drums, but well, I'm being a drummer. To that, listen to that drum fill. You, that did, yeah. boom, boom, ba, 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 you know, that comes yeah, yeah. into the, as you go into the ending, the salesman. Yeah, there's no way Mickey does that. M- Mickey Sorry. could not have committed that fill. No. no. I mean, he could have done ooh. something. He could have done something cool. And, but and it, it wouldn't have sounded the same. And no. you know what? You needed it to be tight. This song is so tight rhythm-wise. Yep. And it's great. I just love the. It's a driving song, meaning not driving, you know, down the road. A, a driving beat. So it really works. I love this song. And again, Mickey and Davey on backing vocals. They're not being left out in the mix with Chip Douglas and Peter playing acoustic. Again, it's it's that rhythm section, that, that fantastic rhythm it section works. that works really, really well. Chip on bass, Eddie on, on uh, drums, and then the rest of the band, you know, Michael and, and Peter picking up the rest of it. And it's just phenomenal. We move to the next track. This is where it gets weird. Because well no but I'm gonna Not go a little me. backstory real quick this is where it just gets well, weird I under- oh, okay because here's the thing you do fire the annoying Don Kirshner's ass <laughs> yep. yes and we'll go into this song as being the main reason why his ass got fired but here's the funny part they are allowed to do their own thing right but they still know a good song when they hear that's it that's the weird part about but, it but right because it's you ex- know what you don't. Bite the hand that feeds you, and then go back to that that same well, you know, plate, and go. Well, he, he maybe he was right about the song. Yeah, but but they, you know, they fired him for different principles. Yes, and, not and again, he didn't have a good song. Exactly. So again, it, you know, they fired him because basically Don Kirshner made a commitment to the monkeys because you got to remember when you flip a forty-five. When you go in the store, you don't buy a one-sided record. You go in and you buy a two-sided record. Yeah. So whoever wrote that second side or produce that second side, gets as much money as the person who produced the front side. side. Now, of course, this has nothing to do with radio play. That's different. But as far as the sale of that record, the guy who wrote or produced the B side gets as much grub as the guy who wrote the A. So basically, Michael and the guys had gotten a commitment from Don Kirshner, a very empty promise, obviously, that no sweat. I'm so sorry, guys. I'll make it up to you from now on. You guys can write and produce and record all the B-sides yourself. Then what does the dumbass do? In Canada, like a month later, yep. puts out A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You, backed with an early version of this song written by Jeff Barry, because he had made a promise to Jeff Barry that he was going to get one of his songs out. And Jeff Barry said, oh, great, thanks, Donnie. And, of course, Donnie's going to hold up his promise to Jeff right. Barry. And not hold up his promise to the monkeys. And they find it. Yep. And they find it. Very freak quickly. out. It's a very rare record now. Yes. Very rare well, single, the Canadian single. Well, the, Cana- the, the single Canadian itself, single itself. Yeah. It did come out on. Oh, no, yes. No, no, it's, no. It's, oh, the it's, version's, the version's been out and everywhere. And I don't yet. like that version. I like it. I don't this love it. This is a better version. Much better. This is tighter. This yeah. Is the original tighter. recording very is kind of bad. It's like cheap 
Neil Diamondism. They're trying to do something that didn't really work. Yeah, um, this one is very tight. But that led to the fist through the wall, and that could have been your face, and Donnie right. out, monkeys in. Um, but they still went back to the song. Still went back to the song. And it did a, a good song. And Jeff Barry was probably like, oh, you guys don't hate me. Yeah. <laughs> Even though Mike and Jeff Barry had some definite issues. Yeah, but they, but they didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. No. Um, Shorty Rogers shows Shorty up. Shorty Rogers. Shorty Rogers. <laughs> Very nice. So Shorty Rogers shows up doing the arrangement. Uh, Shorty had worked with a lot of people. He was working with Gary Lewis and the Playboys at this point, too. It actually is written by Barry Greenwich. For some reason, whatever it was at that point, Jeff Barry was the only one who took the credit. songwriting credit on it. Probably had been a deal with him and Ellie about something or other. So again, they cut it first in January of 67. Kirshner cut it in January 67 without them even being in the room. And then uh, the guys went back and did it. And again, Peter on organ, the r- rhythm section of Chip and, and Eddie, and Michael on electric guitars. So Love this song. You know, this is it. This is the four of them playing this Pop song. This is Davey probably at one of his best pop vocals. Definitely. Now, my argument, go back and listen to the first three albums, and you find me any point where Davey is going, how would you say? And this wow. is, you know, yeah, this is a that. new Davey Venture. Jones voice. Yeah, this is not the, uh, I'll be true. Right. It's not yeah. that ballad Right. This is a pop song with Davey. And, and even... In Daydream Believer, you get him doing that gusto at the end. The but that was these sister sessions. Yeah, but on this one, you get this sort of you know, how you say, you know, that little like right. bit of, that little rasp that has never been present in a Davy Jones record ever, including that horrific, well, that funny first album he did on Colpix. But uh, yeah, let's not go there. Any other thoughts on she just a hangs good, out? Good song. And, and by the way, anyone who's been wondering, I know you taught your sister to Boogaloo. I know you taught your sister to Shangalang too. It it's another sound, lyric. It sounds like Shilly, too. Yeah, I, I know you taught your sister to Shangalang too, because the Shangalang is another. A dance. The Shangalang is, if you watch the Rainbow Room version of this from the TV show, Davy does the dances. Yeah, but it sounds more like Kirshner's uh, Archies with my heart went bang, Shangalang. Shang-a-lang. There you go. Same thing. It's, it's a great song. and they, they did a better version than the original version. And you know they did that with words, which they yes they did that with uh, yeah that was Boyce and Hart yeah they did that with a couple of Boyce and Hart Valerie yeah. well Valerie was afterwards it's they're not really the monkeys per se even though they yes produced it in name they did a bunch of songs over again and this was one of them that, that yeah. sounded much better I went back to and improved upon although I do I like Mr. the early Webster version was another one yeah Mr Webster my God they did beautiful work with yeah. that as a foursome now we get to like holy cow but again. Oh, my God. Another Mike. Oh, my God. Written by Chip Douglas and, and Bill Martin. Uh, and Bill who Martin. wrote All of Your Toys. Yep, who wrote All of Your Toys, which was something they recorded at their first session as a quartet, actually playing their right. own instruments. And, and never um, released until later on. Yeah. It was so good. What a great friggin' song. And now we've got like six versions of it. Gotta yeah. love it. <laughs> and again, here is that core band uh, with Davy Jones on percussion, but Peter on the keyboards, Chip There's, Douglas on bass and guitar. We don't know what Mike did. I mean, actually, in Andrew Sandoval's books, it does credit as possibly Mike on guitar. Right. Well, it's really Mike's style. That down, 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 down. I mean, that's... No, but the way he's playing it doesn't sound like Mike that... No, not that part. 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 I mean, the acoustic, you mean. Oh, no, you know what? I've jumped to the opening of Love is Only Sleeping. I'm I'm losing it. Um, In summer. Yeah, that's right. That's that's right. It's not really Michael's style. style. No, you're absolutely right. It 
Probably is chip. Yeah, well, the acoustic playing on this is absolutely magnificent. Well, it makes the song. This song is one of my favorite, favorite songs, songs of the 60s. Yeah. Lyrically, I've covered this song a bunch of times. I do it with a duo. I, I do it with a trio. And it's just a friggin' amazing, my, amazing song. My only regret is I saw the Monkees with Mike December 1st. 2012 or 13, whatever it was, in, in Huntington, New York. And it was a great show. Mike did a lot of great stuff. And then later on in that tour, someone requested Doran to Summer, and he did it. And I saw it on YouTube, and I went, you piece of bleep. I was like, come on. You, you, you don't do it for me? Yeah, see, that honked me off a lot, too. I, I, would I love saw it on YouTube, and I'm like, oh, you stink. Yeah, the one friggin' song I would love. Just that I mean, one. You know, there's a lot of no, songs they, I'd love yeah, seeing them do that But tour. that one oh. would have been, because the band was really tight. Lyrically, absolutely a brilliant song. And, absolutely. And it's an anti-war song. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you'd never know yeah. that. No. It's so funny. No. It seems like a nice breezy little song, and then yeah. you go, what? <laughs> but when you get to that whole, the children left King Midas there as they found him in his counting house where nothing counts but more. What, oh. oh, it's and, a great and lyrically. And I also love the line, just, uh, and but not written by out, Mike. And right. found out that no one's keeping score. It's just yeah. so perfect yeah. about thinking that something's important and no one cares. And actually, the mono version, which of course is on the Pisces Aquarius double set, Along with a demo version. Yeah, along with the demo. But the mono version is actually even sweeter. Mm. It's actually a little bit, which is usually surprising. Usually the, the mono harsher. version is harsher with Punchier. more punch. Yeah. The mono version is actually sweeter. The acoustic guitar comes in a little more dry, actually. And it causes, it's a really, really sweet effect. Mm. And even what I love is that when the, the distant caravan line comes yeah. in. You hear the keyboard. You hear the keyboards so it, come in. It almost yeah. like makes it like a caravan yes. of like you know. Yeah, like a, like a circus. almost like a merry-go-round. A merry-go-round or a circus or, or yeah. you know the gypsy caravan. Well, or the whatever. effect is perfect for the lyric. Absolutely gorgeous. And, and the other part of the song is uh, the beautiful harmonies between Mickey oh, and Mickey and Mike. And Mike have this. They just have this great knowing where to put their voices exactly. Yes. Mickey sings a little bit higher. And a little bit behind sometimes, but sometimes he just Mickey is so good on saying background vocals, oh. and, and, and front and, and front, front vocals. vocals too. But he he really sings backing vocals oh. very well in this and, record. And you don't get enough Mickey Mike. You you no. get and when you hear it on well. stuff like All of Your Toys and stuff like Girl I Knew Somewhere, you go, oh my god, because it's just. But later gorgeous. in the album, you get Mike backing Mickey. Yes, which is just which as is effective. Just as, just as effective. Actually, probably even more. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Douglas Dillard on uh, banjo, Angel. those of you don't know, the Dillards were a kick-ass country bluegrass right. outfit. Uh, you saw them on the Andy Griffith show. They were the uh, neighbors that hung out and played that down-home bluegrass uh, music. I did not know that. Whoops. Yes. Sorry. Next track that comes up. Another Mike song. Another Mike song. Mike Vocal. This uh, time, yeah, yeah. Well, I again, say Mike Vocal. this time, we, again, we go back to... The Wonders of the Brill Building and the other killer songwriting team, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil, yep. with a, a just incredible Nesmith vocal on this on this track. The instrumental punch, the production, the big ending, the fade up of this sort of effects that swallow the whole track. It's freaking perfect, absolutely perfect. Mike's vocal is good. He sings it well. Yeah, Love Is Only Sleeping is is just a brilliant song. And what's Structurally am- everything. What's amazing is here they are worried about putting it out as a single, and it's on three episodes of the show. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, ridiculous. I know. 
again, as we said, that is the Nez sounding electric guitar, without a doububt. To me, that's the no, that's know, trademark yeah. Nesmith thing. Any other thoughts on, on that track? I, I, I Again, re- it's more Mickey and, and, and Mike, and it's just, it's just a great song. Well, the band, it, you know what? It should have been the single. Yeah, I think it should have been, too. It should have been a single. Yeah. You know, maybe, can you imagine, I mean, if, if it had been Love Is Only Sleeping and there was another plan B-side, right. maybe that would have been the advance, and then Daydream Believer might have been might have come out after Pisces. You yeah. know, you still would have had Daydream Believer in the can yeah, if you had planned a B-side that was on the album. And we should say that only one of the episodes had the release version, the other two had stripped-down version, yes. which uh, yeah, you can tell. There's a lot of that on the yeah. monkeys. Well, they weren't finished with the songs. They didn't need them. They just yeah, they need them for the show. Uh, or right. unless they needed like a, a mono mix because it was a mono right. film. You know. Right. Well, also, too, they probably didn't necessarily want to clutter the TV mixes as much. Yeah, it came out with a little speaker. Yeah, it came out with a tiny speaker. Which it came out of the car, too, I guess. So the single would have been the same way. Next, we come to the first appearance of the one, the only, God, we love him, Harry Nilsson. Yeah. Harry shows up. So the Monkees version actually came out first. Uh, before Harry's own version of it, uh, Harry had done a really, really, really great collection of demos, uh, which I think included like the story of rock and roll. Yep. And uh, originally, the song was called "By Any Boy" on the demo. I can tell. I know why it wasn't kept that. Absolutely, because it would have called attention to the fact that this is not your happy-go-lucky, cutesy little song. Well, they debated that. No. They they, sa- yes, they did. They said Lester Sill was really angered to discover that they thought it was about a gangbang. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know whoever said it was about a, quote, gangbang. That's also grossly inaccurate. Mm. I mean, I've read that they in They said it was a term used by a certain motorcycle gang. Oh. That's why. Interesting. Used that a gangbang. That I never heard. Okay. So. But if you listen to the words of the song, really what it's all about is it's- A gangbang. No, it's not. It's really not. It's about a really, really no, cold, crappy guy who gets caught cheating, who is telling his girlfriend that she basically meant nothing to him, even though he was her first. Cold, <laughs> bitchy. I mean, that's really what it is. It has nothing to do with a gangbang, but let's it be honest. It still has something to do with sex. Yeah. Oh, it's filthy. But, I love but, that. But let's be honest, too. There's no friggin' way Don Kirshner was going to let this track touch Why not? A it's, a, it's a story about a, a little kid with the toys no and way. Santa. No way. Don, the day after Santa came. Don, Don, the day after Santa came, which is even <laughs> funny if you well, know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're not the, the only the, cherry the, delight. I mean, wow. I mean, but, cherry was still. Yes, but you know what? Many people took it as you're not the only charity light for Santa. Oh, see, I never, even oh, when I, I was a little kid, even as a little kid, I always knew that the words were Cherry always Delight. I thought of Charity Delight. But I thought it had something to light. do with dessert. You're not the only Charity Light oh, that no. was left in the night. I just thought it had something to do with dessert. That gave up without a fight. I well, mean, I, a virgin who gave up without a fight, you're not the only one who gave in and, oh, well, you got disposed of. Yeah. Woo! I mean, this song, this is some nasty stuff. And it's funny, because on the show, it's... Come on, let's dance with the oh, cane, yeah. you know? Come yeah, on. let's do the dance with the cane. And it's they lovely, it yeah. And again, talk about the sensors going right over their heads. Oh, they had no idea. Wow. It was used in two episodes. Yeah, you're not the only cherry delight that was left in the night that gave up without a fight. Wow. Well, as long as Davey was singing it, it sounded kind of fun. That's true. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Mike had sung it. It would be, it would be different, yeah. but Davey's like, hey, we do it. No, Sing I'm... anything with a British accent. It's and cool. I'm fine. I'm going to come to your house and murder your mom and, and then go dance. Pillage, rape and pillage, rape and pillage. But I'm using a cane and dancing so well. <laughs> la, 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 Isn't this la, la, la. happy little song? Well, look, song. look at Daddy's song. 
Yeah, right. I mean, give me a break. As long as right. he sang it, like, you know, in that old vaudeville style, it's good. It was good. Yeah, good point, man. Wow, Thank that's you. a little scary. That's why I'm on this show. That's true. <laughs> Again, Harry Nelson, kicking butt, taking names, puts it on his album in December of 1967. The Beatles fall in love with him. He becomes their favorite group. Backing vocals by Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Chip Douglas. Direct harmony by Mickey, following the, the vocal line of Davey. Mickey, the last song he did on the album with drums, which... I don't know if they went in overdub, but if they didn't, then he does a nice. He does a very nice job. But if I think they overdubbed that one little hit in between that, I want to tell, tell you, your mother. Yeah, no, there's a little hit in between which he couldn't have done. I think I they might have overdubbed know. and you know, ding, ding, well, whatever. Could be, mm, unless yeah, it, it was be. an act, happy accident. Used in a couple of episodes, and it sort of has a reverb that gets thrown on the very last. Law, which is great because yeah. it leads into the next song. But that leads so you well. beautifully into the opening chord of of the next song, "Voice and Heart" song. As Rob mentioned earlier, this had been done once before by the band. They had, I guess, you know, attempted it under the Kirshner ruling. We haven't heard that, have we? Yeah, no, no it's, it's out there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yes, we did. I'm sorry, my bad. That's on, uh, I think, the first Missing Links, maybe? Well, but, it's on um, More of the Monkeys, I think, too. Yes, so it's, it's probably on More of the Monkeys. Yeah, yeah, August of 66. Again, you're back to this wonderful core group. Percussion by Mike, electric guitar by Mike, bass and drums. Yeah, very uh, weird percussion by Chip Mike. Chip and Eddie. Yeah. Uh, but chimes by Davey, the yep. which are really cool. And, and that tree. Hammond organ, that wonderful Hammond organ solo is Peter. But why does it say tree by <clears> Davey <throat> Jones? The tree is the is a chime tree. Oh, that that whole little run of stuff. Well, Davey was a drummer. Yes, he could play drums. Yeah, and they said that in one of the videos, I forgot for which one of these songs, they said that's the way the group should have been. He's on drums. Yes, you know, was was Davey on drums? It should have been interesting. This is you know shows the difference. Even though it's only a few months, you know, the difference is they used the Hammond organ. Instead of the flute, they used the flute in the the original version. Then they yes, used, that's right. And and they also right. Peter's vocal is very good in this. It's uh, the first Mickey vocal too. Mickey and Peter yeah. together, first one on the album. Right, that's and they right. Overlap, the first they overlap Mickey. each other, and it's just a great song. And um, and it's the B side also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. Pleasant Valley Sunday, Sunday went to number eleven. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it was so, sort of like a double A. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know. That's just, right. That's just, right. This went to eleven on its own. That's yeah, right. and a great song. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just one of those songs. I actually the la la, you know, from Cuddly Toy. I sort of after I've heard the unedited version where it's yeah. you know, the, I like the clean open a little bit better. I do too. Oh uh, no, I don't. I, but I know I know what you're talking about. I like about. the la 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 la. Yeah. 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 It, it, like it was always for me because yep. I was a kid and, I, and it went into each other. So yep. to me, that, one that's song. always the way it was. One yeah. piece. Yeah. But to me, it's just a, a, one of these great oh. songs again. Mickey's vocal is so passionate and yes. so there, and and Peter's vocal, you know, he's not the greatest singer in the world, but you know what, he was trying, yep, and it worked so well, and it's a vulnerability in it, yeah, and also too, I don't mean to sound like a pop song from the two thousand teens here. But if you listen to some aspect of this record from a musical standpoint, it's all about the bass, about the bass, about the bass. <laughs> the friggin' bass line in this song. Yeah. That doom, 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 doom. I mean, and the drumming is the drum. I mean, it is just that's the really bass playing on this album. Drumming, though. Ooh, it's yes, not, it's not just mm, cha, mm, cha, no, like not at believe. all. It's you know, you, you're talking about listen to the ride symbol and yeah, and but he's doing. Oh yeah, it. and the build-ups in each of the verses. Dun, 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 
dun, dun. It almost gets garage band for a couple of measures, and then it kicks in hard with that, and then that running bass Very line. Very tight. Woo. But, but couldn't have Mickey play that bass? <clears throat> no. no. I mean, I'm the drum. No. And then that, no. there you go. Then it Peter could have played the bass line, I think. Yeah, but yeah, Probably. Peter could have played the bass line, but, but he, Mickey no way does that. But it's interesting, because Peter aligns himself to sort of being the keyboard player on this yeah, album. Yeah. It's okay. Which but is he, cool. He, but as long as he was on the album, it yep. didn't matter. He's yeah. in the band. And the, the single version and the album version do differ. Yeah, a little of bit. This. Yeah, it's a different vocal take. We flip the LP over. Total, totally different vocal take? There's thought, differences. There differences, are differences. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's a different take. It may be different edits. Yeah, it's a different vocal so. edit. We flip the album over now to side two. Please, God, why is this song? <clears throat> and we, I, I love, love this it. song. No, no I love no, it. I always have. Not no, to be no, no. This is probably one of my favorite of the early Davy vocals of the first six albums. I think. Um, I hear the song. The seriously. single monkey. <clears throat> I don't like this song. I like the fact that he co-wrote it. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that. There's really not a lot of other monkeys. It's, it's basically a Davy solo song out of. Yeah, it is. They, none of the others. None of the others are on it. To me, if you're gonna have going down, your choice of going down or this, what song do you choose? It's night. It's it's apples it and oranges night, yeah. though. No, it's, it's, it's apples and oranges. Again, it's diversity. The fact that the album side opens with that jazzy rhythmic. I mean, I love that. That to me is that's. It's, You're in a different, it's, it's and, it, not, and it's not that swelling. And it's we well, were made for each other or well, the dream thing that, world. The thing that gets or, me about this song is, I mean, I, I don't, don't mind those. the song. I don't right. like it on this album. If this was on Birds and the Bees or Instant Replay or something like well, that, well, if this was on Birds then, and the Bees and, I, and replacing, we were made for each yeah, other. Something like maybe. that. Maybe. Yeah, something like that. But yeah. But to yeah. me, the song just does not belong. On I, te- I got to tell you, the only thing I will say is that if if side two would have opened with going down with. Oh, it would have been like, oh my god! Yeah, you would have been shot from a cannon, basically. Yes. Yep, but that's okay. Yeah, sure, that's absolutely. And it would have been another Mickey vocal. Absolutely, and it would have gone into Hard to Believe. That would have been kind of wild. No, but we'll look at the we'll no, look at the no, running no, order later. But Hard to Believe to me, one of my favorite Davy vocal moments. That very last, I love you, I, lo- I do love that him harmonizing yeah. with himself. Yeah. That you that leads yeah. into the. The ending. My, my favorite Davy vocals at the end of this album. Okay, well that's that, that makes sense. Again, no other monkeys on. Kim Capley is the main performer on this: guitar, bass, drums, percussion, Everything piano. Written, it's almost though this person went into the studio, did the backing track, brought Davy in. The other guys heard it, nodded their heads, and went. Cool. It'll be on the album, yeah. Yeah, man. It was the cool. last original song to be on the album. Yeah, re-recorded for the album. Next, let's jump to just again. Just an ass-kicking Nesmith vocal, Nesmith story song. Didn't write it. Nope. That goes to the amazing songwriter Michael Martin Murphy, who wrote Wildfire. Uh, right? Wrote Wildfire. Michael Nesmith would go back to Martin Murphy's Texas Morning, which is one of Michael Martin Murphy's greatest songs, and that would open side two of Nevada Fighter a couple of years later in a solo career. But Michael Martin Murphy and Owens Castleman co-wrote this one. They were Lewis and Clark, another Colpix act. Uh, actually, who had an album on Colpix. And this is What Am I Doing Hanging Around. What's that? Cold Gems, right? Colpix was. Before. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Colpix? Yeah. No, Cold Gems. Yeah, Cold Gems, yeah. Yeah, Cold Gems. And boy, does this smoke. Again, the, yep. the guitar work by Michael. Uh, Doug Dillard's back on banjo. Mike said he wanted to take the, the group into the direction of country rock because yeah. he felt that's where it would go. But yeah, and he did in later albums too. But he did, but 
man, that this, first this foray, one. I mean, you know, this is the first time you really, well, kind of girl I could love. Each album has a country song Not on like it. Not like this. Not this like is this. a no, country this rock. Is, this is a country rock song. This is the banjo going full blast. This, and this is where the Eagles are listening and taking notes. Yeah, exactly. And stealing everything that's going on. And where, you know, a couple of months later on the show, it would be, I'm going to join the birds when yeah. I get out of here. But yeah, I mean, any thoughts on this this track? It's just a great song. I mean, you could sing it. You know the story. The story is a really good story, and it's just the right length. If it was any longer, we'd. But Mike sings it really well. I mean, it's just a a great song. I like when he does it now. But I think it's great. It's just a great tune. Uh, and to me, again, uh, great tune Mickey is a great tune with the backing vocals on the song. Just, but Davy too. I mean, Davy's on yeah. too. But Mickey hits the higher notes on this. Yeah, and, yeah, and they all—they just sound great. They just sound great. And it's story songs are, are a forte of Nez's, I think, in my opinion. But you know. that's what makes a great song. Nez doesn't really get into the fantasy songs. He just doesn't. No, no. He's, there's always something to say. Yeah, or else he doesn't yeah. say it. Yeah, even on his most fantastical things, like writing wrongs, there's always a story. A in story, there. yeah. Right. Next, we come to Peter Peter Ursula Patterson. It's the only song we can actually do in its entirety on the show. Very quickly. <laughs> um, so Peter was taught this song by uh, his friend Judy Mann, who he actually was managing. And it's a quick little thing. It's not really much to say. No, about but it. it's, it's fun because my kids love it. It's, yeah. It's, and it's pop. Public I love when he says Mint Peter Tork's writing. Yeah, the traditional R by Peter Tork. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the funny thing is when he's, you know, Mint Tarts. Yeah, that's, that's like, just, wait, 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 what? Yeah, and again, when we were kids. It's the humor. And yeah, that was the humor. And it I also, loved it. and also, too, it was fun because the hip hop, right? Again, right in. It hits you in the face. Right it, in the It face. almost acts like a jingle for a Pleasant Valley Sunday, like a radio jingle, but it's the monkey show. Well, jingle. and what's funny about it is, and I, and I may not be thinking too hard, because those guys did think pretty heady thoughts and did think like hippies. Peter Percival Patterson's Pepe Porky was, was self-indulgent. Yeah. And we know what happened to him. He popped. Bang. Right into Pleasant Valley Sunday. Don Kirshner? So it could be Don Kirshner. It could just be about another comment about... The society that was going to be represented in Pleasant Valley Sunday. Oh, maybe. You know, the creature comfort goals. They right. only numb my soul. It's Takes perfect. Pot shots at, at suburbia. And this yeah. works where special announcement, uh, we can see why that was taken off at no, the beginning. No, Peter Percival yeah. was this, much more yeah. this, cute. This the other fits, one would have been boring. This fits where it was placed because it has a great yeah. open. Great you open. You wouldn't play this in front of, uh, uh, let's Anything say, else. Hard to believe or anything. You know, it's funny because it's the second time on this album where they lead one into another from Cuddly Toy into yep. Words. Right. And from this right. into that, and it just hits you. Oh, yeah. and, it, and Like a cannon. You know, I don't know if I'm overstepping, but I'm going to say this. I think this is one of the great pop songs of all time. Ever. Ever. In, yeah. in the history of pop music. And, um, and Mike plays the electric guitar. Yes. Yep. Michael plays the opening, damn it, so... For all of you who sit there and go, oh, the monkeys weren't a real groom, yeah. and all of you well, who know, guess what? And, and that, guess what? He also, they said that they brought this opening in because of I Want to Tell You yes. from the Beatles and Paperback Writer yep. and all those. I mean, if you, you really, if you think about it, I Want to Tell You, it's like, very similar. It really is much more than Paperback Writer. Well, yeah. But he was really talking more of like the riffs era, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. And and the Beatles had those two right away. And it was like, oh, my God. Also, the riff wasn't on Carol King's demo. 
No, so, no, no, no. not on Carol King's so, demo. It, they really changed the song around a lot. They although did, the demo's great. Although the demo's amazing, and Mickey will always acknowledge that uh, Mickey said to us, we, didn't we talk about it with yeah. Mickey? About the, when you got a demo from Carole King, the problem was, what the hell do you do? Right. Because Carole would do the demo, and her voice is so similar to Mickey's right. that Mickey would hear the vocal and go, okay, well, now what do I do? Because <laughs> right, really, you can't interpret it. You can't interpret it. You just would really almost right. imitate right. Carol's demo. Yeah, and for those you who know. are looking for it, it came out a few years ago on a... Yes. Demo disc of hers. Yeah, and it's also on YouTube now. You yep. can you buy the disc. And yeah. Yeah. But it is absolutely wonderful. The vocals, the harmonies. And we, and we should say the mono mix is Very missing different. some vocals that are on the stereo mix. Which yes. I like the stereo better. I, I like the stereo too. version I like, too. I like where uh, I like the Davey goes, ah! Yeah. You yeah, know. and you miss that. Yeah. But then again, you hear Peter's piano playing so much better on the mono version. On the version. mono version. It is yeah. way up in the mix, and he's really playing some really good notes. Yeah. The single went to number three in the charts. Again, as I said, I don't know the, how it didn't go number one. I don't either. This probably was a friggin' Beatles song keeping it out of the charts. Um, um, that time. No, you're right, actually. Maybe All You Need Is Love? No. And well, it came no. out in the summer. No, yeah, this yeah. is summer, man. Oh, maybe summer it was. 67. was no, this is, no, this didn't come out in the summer. This came out July in the... July 10th, 1967 Pleasant was the single. Sunday's a single. Yeah, Pleasant Valley Sunday's a single, yeah, oh, oh, Sunday oh, a single. Oh, oh. came out in July, yeah. So, you so would wait have... a minute, it came out before the album. Yeah. It came out before right the, the precursor. The, oh, yep. okay. So it came out right when All You Need Is Love was Yep, there you go. So that's the one. Those damn Beatles. Beatle boys. Beatle boys. So backing vocals by Davey and Michael sound amazing. Peter, not in there vocally in the mix, but like you said, playing some great He's piano. Playing piano. It's yep. great. The reverb, the noise. If you're looking for it on the karaoke disc that came with the Greatest Hits album, there is a clean version of Pleasant Valley Sunday. Right. And it's good. It's fun, yeah. it's fun a, to sing to. I know they the call show. it a karaoke disc, but it's really just the backing track. Yeah, exactly. that's all it is. Exactly. Karaoke disc sounds like it was you know, something Redone else. and yeah. Yeah. Redone. back. And then right. this wasn't. Right. It's just a stripped it's, off. It's like rock band. Yeah, exactly. So we, we come out of Pleasant Valley Sunday where our heads are already, minds are already blown, and we fade in with this funky Moog synthesizer thing that leads to a drum snap by Eddie Ho and into... A song that I see get slammed, but I'm sorry, love it, always have. I've, I've always liked this. I, always I like it. it. It's not my favorite on the album. Love the lyric. I've read the lyric aloud as a poem in different places. I thought and the video that they did on the show was kind of spooky when you're a kid. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it was very so dark cool. with all the stuff swirling around. It was so and, cool. And Chip Douglas, in an interview, stated that Mickey was had no clue how to play the movie. Nope. He would just. Turned the buttons and kept going while the song was going, and that's how they did it. Made it make noise. Yeah, and that's it. That's all it did. Yeah. They had a lot of fun with this. And those of you who have never mm-hmm. seen the videos of them in the 2012-2013 tours, uh, it's tongue planted firmly in cheek. Yeah. At the same time, Mickey's vocal is straightforward. It's Michael taking the piss out of his own song. <laughs> Uh, so find that on YouTube. It's quite fun. And also, the song Daily Nightly has always been a song that Peter Talk has always mentioned how creative... Yes. Mickey Dolan's is. Yeah. And even though Mickey might not agree with him, because Mickey has Mickey that thing. always downplays his Downplays himself. He, yeah. he said that he didn't know how to play it, like what you just said, Mitch, but he found a way to make a noise out of it. Yep. Right. And so when Paul Beaver came in, he just played it like a keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mickey actually found a way to make it be a synthesizer. Yeah. yeah. Like it said, you know, Nesmith was inspired by the Sunset Strip riots. There's the whole thing about the signs looking down upon a world that glitters glibly. Yeah. It's... Just lyrically, very, well, very it, interesting it's definitely song, a poem. It's a standalone poem. Absolutely. Yes. You know, which a lot of times you can't always say about a song. Right. 
Right. But this Absolutely. was my this was my album skip a lot. Really? When I was a kid. Yeah. Wow. Well, someone we get Five scared of tracks like this when we're kids at times. Yeah. Yeah. You get a little wiped out by them. Revolution number nine. I mean, yeah. come on, man. Again, as we said, it's on Monkeys Blow Their Minds with that wonderful uh, ending uh, clip. Uh, and it leads into what I think is absolutely lovely, lovely track. It starts out with a really goofy but kind of like, hey. Well, you it's, know. it's actually like um, you're in a jazz club. You're in a jazz club. You're in the elegant pump room of the magnificent right, the Palmer Round, House. Right. High over Chicago. Where he says... Asking uh, that asking, musical question. But then it, they don't ask well, a question. in the Monkees episode, they threw that in a couple of times. Usually it's asking that musical question, so how's by you? Yeah, but they never, the, right. But they don't complete it in this. No, um, so it, it doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't think it, no, I think it didn't matter. No, no I don't it doesn't, doesn't matter because that I, lounge I, guy leading into, but all of a sudden you, you think you're going to hear Davey singing. Yeah, and you that, don't. Interesting. You Mike. And you hear that gorgeous vocal with Mike. Now, there's always been talk that it was Chip who told Michael to sing that way. Apparently, well, this was a pre-Monkey's Nesmith song. Exactly. This song was recorded by Michael in 63 or 64. Very different, folky, a lot more like his version of Until It's Time For You To Go. Mm. Uh, he's strumming it. Doom, dun, 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 you know, don't call on me. Great, great, great version. Find that one, too. But you can hear that Michael always intended this to be a very, very sweet, sweet, sweet song. There's never any attempt to rock this song out. So the idea that Chip Douglas had to tell him to sing it sweetly kind of makes no sense. But the only thing is, as we discussed before, it sounds very familiar to, like, Don't Let the Sun Catch You Crying. Yes. You were saying the opening. Yeah, yeah, the opening, definitely. The opening, absolutely. So that's a definite. But it's a co-write with John London, with, again, his old friend from Mike, John, and Bill, and Bob Rafelson is the guy at the beginning playing noodling the, uh, the yeah, noodling on the lounge lizard piano. Yeah, yeah so they um, gave him credit. So they give him a credit, yeah. But again, to me, a very pretty song. I like the production during that Not Now or Any Other Day, that little bit of keyboard that yeah, leaks right. in. The organ by I Peter. I wouldn't skip over this, but I never was a big fan of the song. I always loved it. I, Peter's, know. again, right. the organ, the subtle organ parts. Ugh, just love it. And you then, like Peter's organ. Like Peter's organ. Then the album closes off. With <laughs> what the hell? What a great, a great, great song. closer. You can only put it at the end of the album. Mm, yeah, probably. You can only put it at the end of the album. It has to be at least at the end of a side. Yeah. Because all hell's breaking loose at the end of this. Well, yeah, um, but wow. Goffin and King. Not a Goffin and King song. No. Yeah. But neither was the Porpoise song. Neither, neither was Porpoise song. But at this point, Jerry was getting a little out there. Yeah. You know, and whether but or not Jerry was tasting some groupies himself, I don't know. But, but this was a song about groupies. About groupies. She's a star collector. Yeah. yeah. She yeah, only she aims to please the young celebrities. Young celebrities. I mean, wow. But that went right over everybody's head. Um, Come on. Because it's Davy Singh. It's Davy singing it's it again. Singing but it's Davy's. She's Davies. a star. I mean, but come listen, on. Yeah. Again, there's that voice again. Yeah, I know. Because she's a star. I mean, he's yeah. not going, you know, it's hard to, you know, he's not I singing know. The, the sweet, happy voice. Yeah, but he's it's, bitchy here. It's great. Yes, he is bitchy. He's, he's very bitchy. much bitchy. He's also. I think I'll let uh, her keep on going. Yeah, I, wherever I, it also, is she's going to. Also, you've got a little impression that Davy is 
maybe borrowed some of those star collectors, you know, for oh, a, yeah. a couple of nights. But maybe. I mean, give her an autograph and tell her it's been nice knowing, knowing you. you. Yeah. What's, I mean, and it's so wow. funny that this song and Cuddly Toy. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. It's about, hey, bye bye. Yeah, bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. And I guess mean, what? You know, and Davey's singing both of them yeah. sweetly, but you know what? And, well, not sweetly, but you know, this was the precursor to Star Star by the Rolling Stones. Who knows? Mm, but my goodness, you know, I mean, it's it's a nasty Davy vocal, like you mentioned. Paul Beaver is now in, and Beaver yeah. and Krauss, the two co-creators of the, the synthesizer, Moog. along with Robert Moog and uh, Herb Deutsch, and uh, an amazing album goes the Chaos at the end. I mean, what did you make of that? When you, I stayed through this when I was a kid. This oh, one love, didn't scare me as oh, much. No, no, I like this one. The only thing that scared me was exactly what I did the beginning. Hello. No, hello. <laughs> it always bothered me. It's like almost like a ventriloquist That's dummy. Because right. yeah. I always thought of Mr. Schneider. Yes. Hello. Yeah, hello. And then it's like... Because you heard, oh, hello, uh, oh my God, what, what the hell is that? And, and if you think about it, it's, it's the, you know, thing. the door opening, the hello. Hello. And then at the end, it's bye-bye, bye-bye, <laughs> bye And, and bye. we should say that the song also goes on much longer and it yes. was effectively edited yeah. but it wasn't edited on the beat it was sort of overlapping and fading out and totally it, it's a different way of editing the song I, th- I like the way they do it because it does have a psychedelic ending completely and, it has a psychedelic well, ending time yeah, yeah, but you know, usually you'd match the beat. It's you know, there's, there's fade outs and fade ups in the middle and the end in there. So I thought it was very impressive the way they they mix. That's that true. Song. The fade outs when you come out of the bye bye yeah, and you come yeah. back in like the helter skelter and the, yeah, the drum so, roll ending. And then the ver- the longer version is it's even crazier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you can see why they cut it down. And Paul Beaver's keyboard solo is really interesting, but again, slightly off beat yeah, and slightly yeah. off of the rest of the you know. It's great though. Wow, what an album closer. An album closer, one of the best, yes. Always was the album closer. Very quickly, we'll look at the aborted track lineup. Yeah. Uh, originally, it was going to be special announcement opening the album. Mm. She Hangs Out, track two. Interesting. Salesman, tucked in the middle of the side at mm. track three. Cuddly Toy into Words, didn't change. Words into Don't Call on Me. Different. Different. Too and then different. Going Down to close off the side. Which would wow. have been a good side closer. Yep. Would have been. Opening of side two, Door into Summer, a little bit of a quiet story. Start to side two, but I don't it works. know. I would have, I would have had that as an opener for side one. Side maybe. one, hard to believe. Track two, what am I doing hanging around in the middle there? Daily, nightly. Peter Percival, Pleasant Valley Sunday, Star Collector would have put the two Goffin and Kings next to each other, which is interesting. But you know, all told, it's Mike five songs, Davey four, Mickey three, and Peter one. If you want to yeah. count Peter as part of words, then right. you know right. one and a half. But not a lot of Mickey. Not a lot of Mickey. No. Again, he's felt. He's felt all over the album. He's, but he's not, yes, but he's not a featured, meaning you know, right. the, the main guy. And the only ad on the box set, uh, the box set, on the, the double, double album, yeah. the double disc that Rhino released, is the television version of Ryu Shiu. Which right. is guys beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely I mean, gorgeous. we've had it before. But this is a beautiful... And this is the TV version as opposed to the the studio recording. Well, the studio recording, at least according to Sandala's book, says it's the three monkeys, minus Davey, and Chip Douglas. Chip Douglas. TV version's all four. Is with the four of them. I like Davey's version better. I do, too. I do, too. Davey, you could hear him so up in the mix. So he's doing the very bass. You know, love, yeah. it's, it's great. I, I like the TV version much better. Yeah. So we rate this thing. So yeah, I guess we rate it as we always do. We rate a record here, I and um, let's begin with. See, that's good nice because this time I get to go last. Robert Leonard, I give this a nine. Wow. Okay, a nine. Are you for nine Robert times Leonard. blue? 
Sorry. Rob Leonard giving Pisagorius Capricorn Jones Limited a nine. Mitchell Axelrod. Wow, this is tough. And by the way, if Hard to Believe wasn't on there and going down, it would have been 11. (laughs) Wow, you went from a nine (laughs) to 11 because of Hard to Believe. Wow. That's hard to believe. Uh, You know what? I'm going to go. Oh, God, I hate this. I hate rating these damn things. You know I'm giving it a nine. I give it a nine. You give it a nine? I give it a nine. I really do. I, I just think it's a really good album, really strong album. Uh, I wish it would have sold better, and I wish the monkeys would have stayed together and done more like this instead of n- not, but I understand why they didn't. But I think this is the pinnacle of monkeys for me. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, really? Well put. It, you doesn't, know, yeah. it, it doesn't yeah. get better than this album. For me, no, it doesn't. I got to say, honestly, no. because of that fact that it doesn't get better... And because he is obviously one of my all-time favorite bands, I got to give it a ten. Oh, I got to okay. go ahead and give it give it the ten. I do have to say something to monkey fans. What's that? Monkey fans out there, enjoy being monkey fans. You don't always have to compare the monkeys to other bands to legitimize the, that the monkeys should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and stuff like that. And don't be embarrassed to like the monkeys. Celebrate. Celebrate. Your monkeyness. You know, it, that, celebrate it, your monkeys. So many monkey fans that I know always get to very defensive about. Yeah. Oh well, you know, the, even the Beatles didn't play out all their songs. Well, yeah, we know that. Yep. You yep. Know? On that note, uh, we're done monkeying around. We are done monkeying around. So that's it for this installment of the Prefab Free for All. And uh, this has been our review of Pisces Capricorn Jones Limited, which gets a nine point three three here in the room and. Uh, I have been your moderator, Tony Chiguarda, for this episode. Joining me, as always, are my friends... Davy Jones. And... I'm Rob Leonard. <laughs> and I'm Peter Tork. <laughs> and I'm the ventriloquist dummy Schneider. And um, You are just a dummy. And I'm just a dummy. No, no, Peter's the dummy. Peter's always the dummy. <laughs> Remember? You saw you saw head. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Watch it, Going you. down. Going down. <laughs> Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All. Special announcement. Tony is dying. And it's not an RCA test. Tony is just dying. On the air. Excuse me. Peter Percival Patterson's pet pig named Porky is dying. He ate Tony for breakfast, Tony for lunch. Tony went to, went to bed. Tony Chiguardo's turning on the... You okay? You right now? Want to get a drink of water? He has it in his hand. That's what caused it. So take more.